Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 201st edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Fred Brown looking. Oh, way to Worthy! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gadgum champions. Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb Brooks straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today, getting you ready for Carolina and Syracuse. That game will come your way Tuesday night. Late tip, it'll be at 9 p.m. on ESPN, a part of their Super Tuesday coverage during the college basketball season. We're going to break down the Syracuse Orange, get you up to date on Carolina, have a discussion or two about seeding and trusting this team to go on the road and win before we give our keys to the game and more. But we start uh, every preview edition pod as we always do with our pod thought of the day. And uh, I'm running out of, of some Tar Heel-specific ones, so now we're really going to start integrating some from great basketball minds. We go to former NBA coach um, Jeff Van Gundy, who, who now is, is a great broadcaster at ESPN for covering the NBA. And I think this this quote really does apply to where this Carolina team is right now, and he says, the best teams play for each other, not with each other. And, you know, I think this is something that, even though Carolina is returning, had returned four starters from last year, they're having to learn their, or to, how to play for each other once again, just like last year's team did. Um, they learned to play for each other as opposed to with one another, and that was the biggest reason why their season turned around the way that it did, and they got so close to winning a national championship. And I think, you know, one of the one of the best ways that, that you're seeing that this team plays for each other is look at the way that, you know, this team has responded in certain moments this year and, and with, with, you know, a hard foul or something like that. And the guy that's really been the leader, the leader of that has been Caleb Love. His leadership, whenever he feels like one of his guys has been, you know, targeted, you know, he's, he's been right there to have his guys back. And then, 
you look back at the incident on Saturday with NC State where where Caleb Love caught an elbow to the face. All of a sudden, Armando Bay caught R.J. Davis and Pete Nance. They had his back, and 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 they were there to show him that they were, you know, they they were there to support him. And um, you know, I, I think I, I've been saying it for really the last week, week and a half that I think this team is coming into its own. I think they've they're rounding in the form, and the biggest reason why Anthony is that. Uh, I feel like as you as a podcast host, you podcast, uh, you know, for me, not with me. Uh, this team is playing for each other as opposed to playing um, with each other. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's a sign of just great leadership on this team from both the coaching staff, um, but even more so the players. And that's the thing that we thought we were going to see coming into the year. And early in the year, I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to say that it seemed like they were playing for each, you know, for themselves, but I think now more than even early in the season, you're seeing a team that is starting to look like a more cohesive group, starting to do some of the things that we saw last year. And, you know, I, I think the biggest sign of that early in the season, as opposed to now is, you know, they, they have, a they, they aren't as great as they were kind of in the middle of, portion of the season at sharing the basketball in terms of assist on made baskets, but they're still assisting at a pretty high rate. We're early in the year. Uh, the numbers were historically low for Carolina. It, it, it was actually, you know, to be honest, shocking uh, how little they shared the basketball. And so you're, you're starting to see this team work together on that end. And then I thought the other night against NC state, you saw this team, really start to work together on the defensive end of the floor. It looked like a group that um, was able to defend at a high level uh, for the first time really against a power conference opponent all season long. And these are the types of things that you want to start seeing from this team right now. People just have to understand at this point, look, you've got six losses. You were the first team to, you know, have six losses as early in the season uh, as you did as a, a team that started the season number one, you exited the AP polls uh, as quick as any number one has ever exited. It. All that stuff is behind you at this point, though. There is no way for you to control that, what happened in those games. You can only control what's in front of you. And right now, I think, again, it's it's maybe safe to say it after – uh, the game against NC State, you said it even before, but it really does feel like now this team is starting to round into the form that we thought we were going to see from them uh, throughout the season. And, you know, NC State, you could say whatever you want. Well, they really weren't a great team coming into the year. So how great of a win really is that? That's a really good basketball team right now. Um, they They are still a team that's probably going to – you know, when it's all said and done, they're probably still going to be a single-digit seed in the NCAA tournament if they keep playing the way that they're playing. So uh, I think now it's it's about can Carolina sort of build off of that and can they stay healthy, I think, is the biggest thing because I think we're, we're all kind of, you know, when we look back at this regular season, when we get towards tournament time, I think that game against Virginia is going to be one that we're going to look at and kind of ask ourselves what if. 
Um, because I think there is a legitimate chance that if Armando Baycott doesn't lead that game, Carolina ends up winning that game. So um, it, it you're starting to feel like this team is is coming together um, even a little bit earlier than they did a year ago, and it could allow them to position themselves a little bit better uh, when they get to March. Yeah, and then now the goal and the challenge is to, to carry over those two wins at home um, this past week against the Bo- against Boston College against NC State on the road when they take on a Syracuse team that is starting to come the best version of itself. I don't really know what that is. A lot of people do think that they're trending towards being an NCAA tournament team. Um, as of Friday's projections by ESPN's Joe Lenardi, they weren't anywhere in terms of the field of 68 or among the first four out or the next four out. They enter this game with a 13 and seven record overall on the season. And like Carolina, uh, they are six and three in the ACC. But the Carrier Dome, and yes, we will still call it that here on the podcast, um, isn't what it used to be. And uh, the greatest example of that is that they've lost home games to Colgate and to Bryant. And Bryant right now is playing at U at, at UMass Lowell. And they are losing by 32. Um, They gave up over 60 points in the first half of that contest. Um, Like many teams around college basketball, though, they've got some uh, some familiar faces back on their roster. Most notably, Joseph Girard III, um, who averages 17.5 points, 2.8 rebounds, 3.3 assists, uh, shooting 41% from the field and 38% from three. We got Judah Mintz averaging 14.9 points, 2.4 boards, four and a half assists. Uh, he's shooting 43% from the field, just 17% from three. And then their big man, Jesse Edwards, 13.9 points, 10.8 rebounds. He's shooting 58% from the field. And this is a team that, you know, the, the, the loss to Colgate was the second game for them um, this season. And it was kind of maybe the first time you really just wondered, like, you know, what's going to end up happening there at Syracuse? It feels like Jim Beheim has, you know, stayed a little bit longer than even probably the Syracuse people would have liked because really since their magical run to the Final Four in 2016 and a, a run to the Sweet 16, I believe, in 2018, this they just haven't really done – you know, the type of things that you would, uh, you know, expect to see from a Syracuse type of team. And even though they sit at six and three in the league, their best win in conference play is maybe at home against Virginia Tech. But but Virginia Tech's one and seven in conference. Uh, they've beaten Boston College. They've beaten Louisville. But those two teams are, are teams that aren't really good either. Um, I mentioned the win over Virginia Tech. Uh, they did beat Georgia Tech on Saturday in convincing fashion, 80-63. to 63. But, I mean, outside of that, this team has a lot of wins, but I don't really know what their best win is, which I think really does make for a sneaky big game for Carolina because if, if Syracuse is going to want to work its way, you know, onto the NCAA tournament bubble, they're going to need a big win or two to clearly start that conversation. They could get that in the in, in the mold of beating Carolina, and then so I think the Tar Heels 
got to show up on the road ready to play and get what might be the best performance so far we've seen from Jim Beheim's squad. Yeah, I mean, look, the best, you know, thing to look at for them in terms of thinking that this is going to be a tougher matchup than in it would seem on paper is probably just to look at their two losses. Um, and that's on the road at Virginia and at Miami. I should say two ranked losses. Um, those are those are probably the best indicators that this team is is playing better basketball. I mean, I guess that win over Boston College. I mean, Boston College is is pretty solid this year under under uh, Earl Grant, at least for from their standards. Um, but they're not a team that's going to make the NCAA tournament. Our new balance so, school. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I I just. I, I like, yeah, they're a weird team because it's hard if you look at the results to say Syracuse is going to really give you that great of a game. But it's a team that looks like they're at least going to make a push. I mean, you look at the the rest of their schedule after this. I mean, they've got a game at Virginia Tech um on the next Saturday that could be a chance to pick up a win because it, Virginia Tech, uh, still a team that I think people look at and are are figuring at some point they're going to get get things together. Um, but I mean, they, they have another home game against Virginia. You've got uh, NC State and Duke that have to go there and at Clemson because we really don't know what Pittsburgh is going to be moving forward. Um, it looks like they're you know still a pretty a, a team that is going to be on the bubble for the majority of the season, but. They suffered a tough loss yesterday at home to Florida State. So this what I'm what I'm trying to say by looking at their schedule is they don't really have a ton of opportunities moving forward to get a big win. This is one of those chances for them against a team that you probably know is going to be in the tournament because at this point I you, I, you would think NC State's going to make the tournament, but there's no guarantee. Um, and, and I, I mean, even, even to a certain extent, I mean, Duke at, at times this year, I think they picked up a big win yesterday over Miami. That could be what jump starts them, but we've seen them at times look horrible. So this is going to be a really motivated Syracuse team to prove everyone that is probably saying the same things that we're saying about them wrong that this is really a good basketball team and as you mentioned they've got they've got some veterans um and it's guys that we're we're used to I mean Joseph Gerard I mean I think he's been there since he was on the first Bayheim team was there won the national championship with Carmelo I mean what a career he's had and he's still around but yeah I mean in, in all seriousness a dude that's averaging 17.5 per game this year really has taken over as the leader and Jesse Edwards will be a little bit of a test for Armando Baycott um, I think it's one that'll you know sort of get him ready for some of the other ones that he'll face down the stretch like a PJ Hall at Clemson um, because look he's a guy that's averaging a double double and is averaging and is having a real solid season so well, I you know, I think this is one that Carolina just has to be ready for. And, and they've got to be ready to bring the fight to Syracuse because this is a late night game. It's on the road where you have you you have still struggled. Those road struggles have not gone away because you've you know found a way to win one game on the road and now you you're 
you're starting to feel like maybe where this team is rounding into form. You're still not the greatest road team. You still haven't proven anything really on the road. So they have to go out and find a way to win this game to at least just prove to everybody that the road woes are starting to turn in the right direction. Yeah, and I think that's the that's what Hubert Davis is hoping for. Um, because these type, you know, the type of team that Carolina wants to be. You go on the road and you win these types of games. Carolina brings with them a 14 and 6 record overall. They are 6 and 3 in the ACC. Of course, we're recording before Monday at noon, so there is no there is no new AP top 25 poll, but uh, this could be a week where Carolina does reappear in the rankings. One thing I did want to talk about was, you know, as of Friday, which was the last time Joe Lenardi updated his brackets, he had Carolina as a nine seed in the Midwest, as as Carolina has, you know, just moved all around the, you know, the 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 board and, and the table for this year's NCAA tournament bracket, coming in, I think, as high as a six seed or as low as a nine seed. They've appeared in virtually every region of the bracket, but on sa- on Saturday they beat NC State, which was then a quad one win. You wake up today in the net, NC State's no longer in the top 30, but that win is still something that's going to really impact Carolina seeding. I'm of the belief that I think, you know, Carolina will now come in on the seven line um, is, is, is where I think he would have them as of right now, because that record at 14 and six and six and three in the conference is, 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 is a pretty healthy record. And you've got some other notable wins against, you know, top 40 teams in the net like Ohio State, just mentioned NC State, and that win over College of Charleston. And the Cougars are 20-1 and right now when they're ranked inside the top 20 of the AP poll. So what, where do you think Carolina, you know, and I know it's still early, but, I mean, we're nearing the end of January, going into February, where this type of talk is going to heat up. And Carolina, if they were first in the ACC, he'd be they'd be listed as the automatic qualifier. Right now, they're not. Where do you think Carolina will check in in the updated bracketology stuff after that big win over NC State? So, I mean, based off of where Joe Lenardi had them, they'll probably be a seven. I think they get to the seven line, but. I guess you never know. They could stay, you know, just get to that eight line. I, I think they'll get to the seven line, though. I think uh, they've done enough to get there. And Joe Lenardi holds NC State in in pretty high regards, had him as a five seed heading into yesterday. So I think that's probably where they'll be. In terms of where I think they should be, um, I think you could make a case that this team should be on the six line, maybe even that five line based off of the fact that he did have NC State up there. Because as you mentioned, when we were previewing the game, you know, NC State really hadn't done much coming into yesterday on the road in conference play. So it feels like Carolina is in a relatively similar spot at this point. Carolina has better wins than NC State does uh, you know, just overall, but mainly in neutral site matchups. Um, so I, I think Carolina should be in that conversation right now as probably a five or a six seed. Ultimately, though, 
right now, the thing for Carolina is just just find ways to start stacking wins because you just haven't really been able to do that for uh, you know a significant stretch here outside of that five game winning streak that you had to begin the season. If you start stacking up some wins here on your resume, especially if you can do it here over this next stretch where you will play Duke, who is a quad one team, where you will play Wake Forest, who is a quad one team because that game is on the road, then you're going to have a chance to really solidify yourself in the conversation, maybe as one of the, you know, as a top four seed. And I think that's probably where, um, you know, they they want to be. They want to be somewhere, you know, in that 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 four line or higher. Um, when they get to the NCAA tournament. And I think if they play the way that they've been playing lately, I think they could probably get into that conversation. Um, you know, I, I think running the table in the ACC, then you're then you're getting into that conversation of being on the two line. Maybe if enough things get crazy enough, they could find themselves onto the one line, but that would pretty much be them having to win out. But I think they they, as of right now, still have their sights set on being a team that could be on that three line come NCAA tournament time. Yeah. And I think there's something that, you know, we'll be here on the four corners podcast, monitoring Carolina's seed line, just like we were last year. But, you know, I think we can safely say that we're a lot more comfortable and confident and believing that Carolina is going to safely make the field as opposed, as opposed to last year where, Carolina basically put themselves in a win and end situation or lose and go home situation. As for the matchup with the Orange, Carolina does have four players averaging double figure scoring, still being le- uh, led by Armando Baycott. 17.8 points, 11.6 boards. He's shooting 58% from the field. Uh, RJ Davis has become this team's second leading scorer, 16.8 points. boards, 3.2 assists. He's now shooting 45% from the field and 39% from three. Caleb Love has started on the team in scoring 16.3 points, uh, 3.7 rebounds, three assists. Uh, He's shooting 38% from the field and 28% from three. And then Pete Nance is the lone guy uh, or the last guy in double-figure scoring, 10.3 points, 6.1 rebounds. He's shooting 48% from the field and 35% from behind the arc. And the last little discussion topic I want to have before we get to our, our keys to the game is, you know, Carolina's back on the road. And um, this is the first time they've been on the road since beating Louisville. But I I, I I know at least for myself, and maybe you disagree, my my trust factor in this team going on the road and winning is as high as it's been all year long because they've finally done it. And I know it was out of really bad Louisville team, but you know, as I said in that podcast, it's still really hard to go on the road in this conference and win games. And I don't take road wins for for granted. I never have, because Roy Williams taught us never to, and, and and I never will. But I do think that you know, if Carolina goes on the road and they play well and they win the game, I'm not going to be surprised because they've now done it, and now they have the belief and the confidence and themselves to go on the road and and be able to win games in the league. Where are you from a trust factor in seeing this team go away from Chapel Hill where they're 10-0 and on the season and be able to go 
into what will be a pretty hostile environment and, and, and play well and give themselves a chance to win a game. I mean, it's at a pretty good level because I think it's just the overall the, – the way that the team is playing overall. Um, in terms of just looking at it as a pure road matchup, I think this is the game where they kind of got to prove it a little bit because, as you mentioned, that lone road win is against a Louisville team that is, I mean, looking like it is going to be one of the worst power conference teams in the history of the sport, unless something dramatic happens. So, um, and look, the, the thing is, is it's not their fault that Louisville was that bad. The reason why I feel pretty confident in this team heading in still though is because of the way that they beat Louisville in that game they could have easily you know looked like I mean some of the games they played earlier in the season on the road I mean they just looked downright awful um especially like you go back to that game against Pittsburgh down the stretch I mean there were there were just times that Carolina looked like they they didn't deserve to even be on the floor with Pittsburgh um, especially on, you know, when it came to the defensive end of the floor against those pit guards. But this this game, I feel like they're going to come out and show that the slow start on the road was, you know, just something that they had to work through as a team and that they've gotten through that at this point. And now they are ready to, you know, really start putting everything together. And they have to because – you know, after this game, I mean, I talked about that stretch coming up where you got a quad one game against Duke, road game, quad one game against Wake Forest, road game. Those are two big games for you. So if you get this win, you're feeling pretty confident going in. If not, you know, people are going to really wonder, does this team, you know, can this team really win on the road? Because they, they've they only beaten a team that has two wins so far the entire season. So uh, I did this feels like a big one for Carolina, but I feel pretty confident that they can go into Syracuse and come out with a victory against this team just because of the way that this team is playing right now overall, whether it's at home, neutral side, or on the road. Well, we've now set the scene for this matchup on Tuesday night, and now it's time to give our keys to victory. But before we do that, guys. We are going to take a quick break. We're going to get you our latest offer from DraftKings. And when we come back, we'll give you the keys to the game and pick the game on the Four Corners podcast. Back after this message from DraftKings. The NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57. And for the and for the divisional round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Now customers can bet just $5.00 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at even bigger payouts with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg added up to 100%. This is the only place, guys, I go to when I want to make my bets on the NFL. I did so for the regular season. I did so with the wild card round. I'll be back for the divisional round as well. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. New customers can bet just $5 on the NFL Divisional Round and get 200 in free bets instantly. 
Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with that promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are, are taking great advantage of all those great offers I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Make sure you're using DraftKings to make all your bets uh, during these NFL playoffs. Let's get back, though, to this matchup with Syracuse and give our keys to the game. And the first key I have is for Carolina to play inside out um, because even though Syracuse is going to defend in that 2-3 zone, I think, you know, you saw for the last five, six years under Roy Williams, the best way to attack it was to was to attack it even from the inside, whether you put a guy at the free throw line and work from there. And I think this is a game where you can really see Pete Nance's passing ability really be used because we were told upon his his arrival at Carolina, he was a really good passer for his size. And we've seen it certainly at different times um, during the season. But I think this should be a game where, you know, Carolina puts him at the ACC lettering right there at the foul line and, and really just let him dissect this Syracuse defense and really attack from a high-low standpoint with the little two-man game with Armando Baycott. But we know, as it always does, it comes back to Carolina and their guards. And, you know, it's going to be it, – it, it's 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 going to be really frustrating if we don't see this team play downhill like they saw, we saw them play the other night because they, they, they went to the foul line 39 times because they forced the issue. I know Syracuse is in a zone. I know they trap out of the zone. You can still drive it. And, and I want to see Carolina play inside out. The zone's going to force you to take perimeter shots. And when those perimeter shots are, are there to be to be shot, you, you hopefully you hope Carolina's tough enough and good enough to make them on Tuesday night. But I still think their best way to attack is to attack inside out with Armando Baycott, using Pete Nance as a distributor at the foul line. But more importantly, with Caleb Love and R.J. Davis making up a mindset, we're going to the rim and we're going to force the issue, and then we'll you know we'll live and die with the results of playing that way. Yeah, and they they have to because it doesn't really matter what the opponent is willing to give you. This is a team that you just have to do that against, or this this is a team that has to do this in the Tar Heels regardless, because. When their offense has been at its best, even the even last year, this team's they they had to get downhill. The guards had to be the guys that were getting to the rim because it opens just everything else up, and they need to be able to do that in this game. That's why I want to see R.J. Davis once again as the primary ball handler. Let him dictate what this offense does because as he showed you again on Saturday. He did. That's where that, that he knows that that's his strength. He knows that that's what he has to do um, to be able to lead to the best success for himself and for the team. And so, I feel like that is going to be a focus of this team in this game. Uh, I know Syracuse does a really good job. They only allow thirty-two point nine um, attempts from inside the arc uh, per game which is 65th in the country. So they do a good job of, of taking away the interior, but they haven't faced a team like Carolina. 
uh, a guy, a, a group of guys whose guards, you know, are really amongst the best in the conference at driving the basket when they are committed to doing so. And they haven't faced somebody like Armando Baycott. So I, I think for Carolina, the biggest thing is, is that, you know, th this is a team that allows 28.8 three-point shots per game, which is 363rd in the entire country. In order for Carolina to have success from beyond the arc, though, they need to open it up by driving the lane. So I, I think that'll be a key for Carolina in this game. And once they're able to drive the lane, the most the, the, the important thing that they have to do off of that is they have to be able to knock down those perimeter jump shots that are going to be available. The, the, the numbers show it. I mean, teams, as I said, 28.8 per game, they attempt from beyond the arc. Well, they not, teams knock down 9.6 of those attempts per game, which is 353rd in the country um, defensively for Syracuse. So Carolina is going to have opportunities to get the shots they need to from the outside, but you have to open that up by driving the lane. The second key that I have is, is for Carolina to defend the three-point line and may, mainly just make sure Joseph Girard just doesn't get hot from deep because when he gets cooking, he cooks about as guy as anybody in the country. The good news is that Syracuse enters the season um, not being a very good three-point shooting team, 6.4 makes per game, which is 286th in the country on 17.4 attempts which is 335th in the country. So a little bit of a a shift in offensive uh in, in, in their offensive attack where, you know, usually under Jim Beheim, um, you know, they've been a team that attacks from the outside in. And even though they've they've changed that, they still have a guy that is more than capable of of taking the game over. Let's I mean we saw Caleb Grill grill Carolina's defense in Portland earlier this year. Gerard definitely has the ability to to do just that, and the best way to do to do that is to, and it is to to defend the three point line is to just simply take away those options and make and make uh, and make these teams settle for contested twos or try to get to the rim. I thought that was something Carolina did such a really good job of against NC State on Saturday, where State was just. Um, five of 17 from the three-point line, was they they made NC State have to put the ball on the floor and instead of taking a three-point shot, take a long contesto too because Carolina's closing out has been better. Their rotating has been better. They were against Boston College last Tuesday. They, gave up, they, did, they did not allow a made three-point basket. I know Syracuse's numbers don't lead you to believe that they're going to want to attack Carolina's perimeter defense. I believe that 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 will be the case. Like Carolina wants to attack from the inside out, Syracuse is going to want to attack with the inside out and be able to get Gerard open looks from behind the three point line. Carolina's got to limit those, and I think if they hold Syracuse to you know right about their average of made threes per game, so six or less, I, I don't think that'll give enough offensive firepower for Syracuse to compete and and, and beat the Heels. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, yeah, when you look at this team, 
they just they don't have the shooters that as you mentioned they've had in the past that's always been one of the strengths of Syracuse and was what has made them so difficult along with the two three zone is the fact that they just have dudes that can knock down shot after shot and that's not really how this team plays it's going to be weird that you you mentioned it they will play inside out and so Joseph Gerard is the guy that is the biggest threat um, they do not have a guy besides him that has taken over 103 point shots in a game so far or, or in a game in, in the season so far. Um, Chris Bell has 73 that he's taken so far this year. Um, he's shooting at a 38.4% clip. That's probably about the only other guy that's really a threat. I mean, Justin Taylor off the bench is another guy to at least be mindful of, but this is still a team that, you know, Carolina, that their main focus in this game when it comes to outside shooting, it should be to take away Joseph Gerard. And I think just more so, you know, the, this key, I think, really focuses on make sure you don't let Joseph Gerard beat you. Make somebody else on this team have a huge night and beat you. Um, there are guys, look, Judah Mintz and, and, and Jesse Edwards are guys that are capable of scoring the ball. But it feels like if you can take Joseph Gerard out of this game, similar to what you did with some of the guys that you saw, you know, late in the season, you know, when it started against Duke, that huge win last year in their place, went through the ACC tournament and in the NCAA tournament. If you can do what you did to some of those volume scores that we saw um, Carolina face during that stretch, if you can do that same thing to Joseph Gerard then you are going to be able to have plenty of success in this game. This is a solid offensive team for Syracuse, but they're really not all that great. The one thing that we've seen, though, from teams so far this year, if they're able to stay in these games, games that Carolina just cannot put away, is they hit three balls to keep themselves around. It's not as bad as it's been in recent years, but those teams that have hung around, they have been able to do it when they've needed to. That's what Carolina has to avoid in this game. And the guy they're going to look for is Gerard. So find a way to run him off the three-point line and make someone else beat you from out there. The last key I have is for Carolina to win the battle of the boards. We mentioned Jesse Edwards. He average, averages double-digit figures in rebounding. He will be a nice test for Armando Baycott, but – I think we do expect, you know, the greatest rebounder statistically in Carolina basketball history to handle his own. But the reason why this is important is because of Syracuse's zone defense. That usually leaves them suspect to the glass. We've seen Carolina really pound them in that area over the years. And this year, statistically, they've held their own a lot better. Syracuse averages uh, 36.4 rebounds per game and they allow giving up 36.6 rebounds per game. So they're negative 0.2 in that department. But that's that's pretty healthy considering the way that that zone defense does leave them suspect to rebounding. And I think this is a way, you know, one thing I've really liked about Carolina these last couple games against Boston College, against NC State, well, they haven't shot the ball all that great, is they found other ways to win the game, whether it was – you know, against NC State, it was free throw shooting. And against Boston College, it was pounding the offensive glass and getting second chance points. 
that could be something that Carolina could live with and help carry them, you know, to victory in this game because you're playing in a dome setting. So you're, you're, you're dealing with a different death perception for perimeter shooters and stuff like that. And I feel like if Carolina, who was plus 15 against NC State on the glass on Saturday, if they come out and they're plus 10, 12, 15, I think that'll be too much to overcome for Syracuse. That'll lead to, you know, to one and done possessions for Syracuse on their end. Meanwhile, the second chances for the Tar Heels when they're attacking on offense. And I think all that would be a nice recipe to to Carolina picking up a second road win uh, this season. Yeah, and it's going to be a test in this game, no doubt. You mentioned, I mean, the numbers overall at 36.4 aren't mind-blowing, but considering the style that they play and considering the fact that they only have one guy that averages more than 4.4 rebounds per game. Um, it, it really is pretty amazing. But Jesse Edwards is going to be a guy that Carolina's got to be prepared for. Um, I, I think the biggest key there is we know Armando Baycott will be able to handle his own up against him. But it's it's really about keeping him on the floor. Because as we've seen, you know, as we saw really the other day against DJ Burns, and they're different style players, but – Armando is is the guy that you're going to need to be out on the floor to match up against these bigs. Jalen Washington is still, uh, you know, a freshman. He's a guy that's got, you know, he's got some growing to do and to be able to handle himself on the defensive end of the floor against some of these more skilled big men um, that are going to be able to just out-tough him at times. And, you know, I thought Pete Nance played really, really well the other day, but he's he's had some moments this year. It's been a little inconsistent from him. You know, when it's come to having him defend some of these bigger guys on the interior. So I think that's going to be one of the biggest keys for Carolina is to keep Armando Baycott in this game to be able to win on the glass. Um, but I think you're right. The way that Carolina, you know, has been able to win games, you know, these la- when they haven't had great shooting nights uh, these last couple of games it, it is really just a testament to uh this this group overall because you know this this was a, a team that we thought was going to have to shoot the ball a lot better this year um to win the way that they did in the NCAA tournament and credit to them there there have been a couple of games here recently where they haven't done that um and they've done a, a good job of finding other ways to win I think you're right this game could mirror the Boston College game a, a lot because they're, they're a team that really is kind of built very similarly uh, to Boston College. I mean, they don't – Boston College didn't have a guy that could score the ball uh, like Gerard could, but Judah Mintz, a guy that really resembles what Makai Ashton Langford does, and Jesse Edwards, very similar type of big, uh, maybe a little bit more polished um, than Quentin Post. So Carolina, I think, should pull a lot from that game, and if they can win – uh, on the offensive glass, yeah, they're, they're, it's it's hard to think that they will not be able uh, to win this game uh, over Syracuse. The Tar Heels enter with a 57.6% chance to win the game, according to ESPN's matchup predictor. And I think they get it done. Um, because, like I said, I think I was – I think I've been more willing to, to say out loud that I think this team is – is turning the corner and, and really starting to become the best version of itself. Uh, you know, they've won five out of their last six games. 
Um, and, you know, the, the the last time they they came up short was at Virginia a few weeks ago, as we mentioned, in a game without Armando Baycott. Um, you know, they they're able to win a game on the road. They won two games at home last week and the games where they didn't play their best on offense, but they found other ways to supplement uh, their scoring and find ways to win. And I think all that carries over and translates into this game. And I think, I think when Carolina comes back and we're talking about a victory, even though they're not in first place, I think the conversation around this team is going to be one that we thought we were going to be talking about in the preseason is that they are emerging as a contender and a favorite and possibly the team to be in this conference. Yeah, I, I think this will be one of Carolina's better games, you know, uh, of the season because it's a game that's on the road. I think they're going to be motivated to prove uh, that they are a team that is capable of winning games on the road because everybody is saying the same thing that we said earlier, that their only road win is against Louisville. So, um, the court there, there are questions as to just how great this team really is. I think they're going to show that this is a team that's starting to look the part of an ACC uh, regular season title contender. Uh, I think that they're they they just they have too much right now. I feel like especially on the offensive end of the floor for Syracuse to be able to keep up with. And that's uh, that that two three zone we've seen it in the past couple of years. It's not nearly as effective as it was when Jim Beheim first got there. I feel like you're going to see that on display once again in this game. And I feel like Carolina picks up a win, uh, and I think relatively comfortably on the road over Syracuse as they start what'll be an important stretch coming up. No matter if the Tar Heels win or lose on Tuesday night, we'll have you covered here at Heel Tough Blog dot com where there will be a preview on the website and of course there'll be a recap posted night of as well even though it is a late night tip we will have you covered at heeltoughblog.com as we keep you up to date on all the things coming out of carolina basketball as for tar heel football they're fully engrossed in the offseason but as news and notes trickle out of the keenan center anthony will have you up to date on all that information as well as for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We encourage you guys to rate and leave a review for the podcast. But more importantly, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. But with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank Anthony once again for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.